Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Are who we thought they were. <laughs> and Baylor is that squad. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Alan Hahn, Bart Scott, we got J. Will, we got Jordan Cornette, the crew. We have assembled our crew. Good morning, fellas. What do we take from last night? And is there maybe a sense of relief that we don't have to now talk about Gonzaga as one of the all-time great teams? I don't know if it's a sense of relief. I, I, I think it's a sense of disappointment, ultimate disappointment for Gonzaga. And I'm sure they would go back and say, hey, look, I'd much rather lose that game to UVA or Kansas in order to win a national championship. I'm going to be real with you guys, man. Last night, I'm watching that game from the beginning. I'm like, Jordan, this reminded me of our Duke teams practicing against our B squad. Like, our B-Squad had McDonald's All-Americans on the B-Squad, and the game was competitive. But at the end of the day, I mean, we were always 20 points better than our B-Squad, or 30 points better than our B-Squad. And I honestly felt like Gonzaga was that B-Squad last night. From the jump, Baylor came out with the defensive principles. They were in there. They didn't switch anything. They were, I mean, in their pocket. They came out shooting threes, and you just... I was like, wow, there's that big of a gap between Baylor and Gonzaga, the team that we were about to put in the rafters of the heavens of college basketball and compare them to the greatest of all time, and they get to the national championship game and lose by close to 20 points? <laughs> like, that's a team that we're going to ingratiate into yeah. the forever shrine of basketball? Wow. Wow. That's a big difference. Je- yeah, Jay, I'm sitting there last night. It's late. I'm sitting with my wife watching the end of the game. And I'm thinking about Bart Scott. And that's probably really weird that I'm sitting there late (laughs) night with my wife. And I'm thinking about Bart Scott. But that's what I'm doing. Because I'm thinking about a defense that can't stop a nosebleed. I'm thinking about 2011. I'm thinking about no respect. I'm thinking about a divisional playoff game where everyone's talking about the Patriots when they should have been talking about the Jets. And that's what it felt like to me. Everybody's celebrating Gonzaga and Jay. I've got every game wrong in this tournament, I feel like. When it's zigging, it's zagging for me. And and when I looked at this game, though, I felt like Baylor is a better team. Baylor has the better guards. Baylor's more battle-tested. Baylor's a lot better defensively, and their level of physicality can't be matched. And you're absolutely right, Jay. This was an overmatched Gonzaga team against a Baylor team who was great all year. Great at the start of the year, great at the middle of the year, had a hiccup after a COVID pause, but picked it right back up. And to me, it was about respect. You didn't hear any of that come from him at the end of the game, but I thought it should have because all anyone was talking about was history, how great this Gonzaga team is, how they're going to steamroll through this thing. And that was not the case last night. I want to credit CBS Sports, NCAA Radio Network for uh, the, the, the as we began the show with the call from the game last night. Again, uh, just an absolute blowout of a game, which no one really – Expected it to be 86-70. to 70. It was quick. I mean, Jalen Suggs gets into foul trouble early. They were up a big early. I remember looking at the score thinking to myself, like, like already? Like, already was that fast? And I, I know uh, I J- Jordan referenced you, Bart, so I want to bring you in because you love defense. That's what you're all about. <laughs> and we can talk about all the offense you want with Baylor, right. but that game was all about how hard they played defensively. It's about attitude, and they played like they had a chip on their shoulder, like they were overlooked 
and they weren't put in the conversation. When we were talking about the tournament, we were talking about everybody but Baylor. Baylor was battle-tested. And listen, they were physical. You know, if this was Coach Carter, we call that old Delilah. Pick your man up, you know, you know, make it tough for him, make him uncomfortable. And listen, I saw fear in the eyes. And listen, Mark Few set the table. When I said yesterday, when he was talking, he sounded like he was planting seeds about how they wish they had three days to prepare, how they wish they had an opportunity to prepare for their intensity. And it showed that they were a complete team. They had tremendous guard play, but their intensity on the boards. Man, you talk about offensive rebounds. You're talking about more possessions, opportunities. And they were running to some grown men. You, you, talk, you talk about the kid that grabbed the rebound and hurt his shoulder. Like, hold up, man. I felt like I was watching Baby Boy. Hold up, man. You mean to tell me that, that your fist? softening his face like what are you talking about you you, you, you get you get you get hurt trying to grab a rebound from a guy they were going to some grown men and it was one of the memes that you were talking about right it was like listen you know we're in great shape like no we train with the football team and that's what it looked like it looked like they were dealing with grown ass men that looked like they were like i thought i was watching the longest yard and it was uh michael Irvin up in the yard and and, and, uh terry cruz with the cheeseburger how many movie references in one minute how many so many many movie references keep up everybody i will say this though alan you know and and jordan from playing hoop you know when you feel defeated because i haven't seen gonzaga play zone the whole damn (laughs) right but the way those boys were getting beat and i'll tell you timmy lost a lot of money last night (laughs) you were talking about his draft status going up like oh he could be a first rounder if you saw him in ball screens last night he did look like marcus saul for the lakers i mean it it, it, it was it was that bad that they had to go to a one-three-one zone in order to camouflage, you know, some of the deficiencies he brought to the table. It was bad. Let me call this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless because there's a I lot think- of straight talk happening right here. Go ahead, Jordan. Well, I think you got to look at scheduling, and we always talk about this with Gonzaga. You know, they're out there in the West Coast Conference, and for 20 games of the season, they kind of disappear. And at times it felt like, no, maybe they're just a really good team. Maybe they deserve this respect. I didn't feel like going into this Final Four. And me, you, uh, Alan, and Jay, we had talked about this last week. It felt – it didn't feel right. And talking about them historically. But where I think that schedule that they play, being out there in the Pacific Northwest against the West Coast Conference, showed its – reared its ugly head, was, okay, you beat UCLA in an incredible game. In my opinion, and I know Jay agree with me, maybe the greatest game of all time. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't get back up after that game. And that mm-hmm. speaks to the conference you're playing in. Baylor, Big 12, you're seeing guys like Cade Cunningham. You're playing at Fog Allen. You're playing against teams that eight of them, for the lion's share of the season, felt like they could win a national championship. So Baylor knew what it meant to get up for a game, mm-hmm. experience the high of that, go back out and eat the very next game. And for Gonzaga, that was a whole new feeling for them, an entirely different sensation. Whereas you look at this Gonzaga team, yeah, there's some good wins in a non-conference. But in a COVID era, all of those wins for Gonzaga that were impressive this year came before the new year. So when you beat teams like Kansas, when you beat teams like West Virginia, when you beat teams like Iowa, that's great. It all happened in December. And so when you get to this tournament, your path is favorable then you meet those boys in a national championship, that's what it looks like. So I think the schedule was masked with some openings for them to appear perfect and appear like an all-time great, but reality smacked them in the face, and Drew Timmy needs to think about shaving that mustache. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> straight talk. That is Make, straight talk. His name is not Timmy anymore. It's McLovin. <laughs> that was straight talk brought by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. <laughs> I, I, Bart's bringing the heat, isn't he? Now, we do a thing with Bart Scott on our show, Bart and Han, noon every day on ESPN Radio. 
And we, we call it the BS translator. Let's go. And he translates something that he hears somebody say into what it really means. So let's do that with Mark Few, the Gonzaga coach, after the game about this loss. Listen, Baylor just they 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 just beat us. They beat us in every facet of the game tonight, and and uh, deserve all the credit. Um, and obviously, it's, we're all disappointed in here. But as I told the guys, like you know, you make it this far, and and, and you're 31 and 0 going into the last one, the last 40 minutes of the season. There's absolutely nothing you should ever feel bad about. And they'll look back on this season as time passes as, uh, as something just uh, amazing and uh, incredible. But it, again, just hats off to Baylor. They they dominated us on both sides of the ball. All right, you each get 10 seconds to BS translate that one. Bart, start us. Man, them boys, good, man. I, like, I, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, listen, you guys are going to remember. No, you won't. That's the biggest damn lie I've ever heard. Like, listen, you're going to be forgotten. You're going to make one of Jay's lists one of the days, one of the best teams never to make it. Good luck. We do have a Jay's <laughs> list coming up. Jay, 10 I'm seconds. BS, translate this one. Look, man, I, I won a chip in 2001. I remember that. But I also remember the two times I lost more than anything because those teams got to the national championship game. Like, there, there's nothing like, hey, I'm going to look back on this 15 years and I'm like, man, it was a hell of a team. We played really well together. We were brothers. But we lost the one. The one that mattered the most is the one that we lost. Like, I don't care what anybody says, Jordan. That will forever haunt you as a player. It would haunt, it would haunt me for my entire life. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan. A hundred percent. You know, there's plenty of there's plenty of wins along the way for all of us as we achieved in sport. You guys a lot more wins than I ever had. But you always remember the L's, man. That's what you remember. I remember Garden Carmelo. I remember Garden J. Will. I have nightmares about those kind of things. <laughs> that stays with you. There's no doubt about that. We <gasps> shall see. Now, now again, there's, there's a, again, Jordan said something interesting early on that we'll have to come back to when it comes to Strength of schedule when it comes to Gonzaga, but Did also Bart and I not say anything interesting. That's that's yeah, that's, cool. Yeah, wait, wait, that's wait, cool, Bart. Wait, wait, wait to bury us. <laughs> that's how this show rolls. You know, it's, you know? it's, it's like when you try and bury. Yeah, I kind of like this show. I can. I can deal with this. First of all, can I just have the tease here? This is what happened to Gonzaga last night. See, the minute little adversity, we all fall apart. Let's stay Alan, together. I think you're doing great. <laughs> well done. But also, let's not overlook Baylor. Where do they rank? Not just among champions, but. Best rebuilds in sports history. If you don't know the story, it's worth retelling. All that coming up after Jay has this from Granger. All right. Do you? For all the ones who get it done, <laughs> Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry 24 7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people even safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER or click Granger.com or just stop on by. The Madness. And the Baylor Bears claim the school's first men's basketball championship. The Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We got the squads this morning. KJZ, Alan Hombart, Scott, J. Will, Jordan Cornette. We match up. Half court. We pick it up. Boy, who's on whose team? (laughs) No, no, we all on the same squad, bro, baby. Oh, we're in the same squad. Okay. I didn't know if it was like me and Jordan versus you two. I didn't know how it was going to (laughs) be. Well, it all depends on what we're playing. Jordan, Bart I got Jay. You. I don't want Bart Gardner. Give me Jay with, on my team. Not, not with those shoulders and that guy. We got, we got, got MC that. Man. No, I'm out there like Mark Vidal, baby. I'm out there setting <laughs> picks up cool squad. <laughs> hey, hey, when, you yes. shoot, when you shoot the rock, just take off. I got the <laughs> rebound. Just take that, off. That's who Baylor was. They were the goon See, squad yeah, last night. Goon cool squad. <laughs> listen, man, listen. Gonzaga wanted no smoke, man. Listen. You know, you ever wrestle to tussle with somebody and you, you're like, all right, y'all playing? Like, woo. Never going to fight him. Because if this is real, I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> That's a grown man right there, bro. That's a different type of strength. You know, we we've all been there. But Jay, yeah. Jay, you, yeah, right. Jay, you remember how it was though when you're back in college playing ball. It felt like all the football cats thought that they were hoopers. Uh, Bart, are you one of those guys in that category of football guys who used to think they could play with the hoopers? I had a college scholarship to play basketball. I ain't always been big. I was only 185 when I left. College. There we go. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm from Detroit. Everybody from Detroit can play a little bit. Where'd you, you have a scholarship? Where'd you have a scholarship to? Um, <laughs> Southeast Northwestern no, no, State. No, 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 But don't cut me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a real scholarship, though. It was a real scholarship, though. Hey, it's a scholarship. Hey, hey, hey. It's on a the real. All that matters. Hey, that forty, that forty-one inch vertical, dog. Get you there. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. It's like get the goon out of here. They can always tell who the football player is on the field. I'll, I'll tell you one thing, though. Look like Baylor was training with their football squad throughout this course of the season, though, in the weight room because those boys look. They were. That's what. That's what I'm saying. This is a tough team. There's no doubt about it. For Scott Drew and what he was able to build from basically the ashes when this where this program was. What is it? 18 years ago, if you think about that story, which we'll tell in a second. For Scott Drew, what a statement that that this game made for his program, for him and his players. Gonzaga's got some obviously unbelievable talented guards. And uh, um, one thing I can tell you about our guys, though, when the best is needed, the best is usually provided. And uh, uh, Zar G3 would always say, no pressure, no diamonds. Our guys, uh, uh, the better uh, the opponent, the better they play. And uh, that's they, they love being the first. First to win conference since uh, 1950. First to win a national championship. I mean, that that really motivates them. And uh, when you got a competitor like that and a competitive group like that, uh, really makes it easy to coach. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Protecting your small business is a big deal. Cover what you've worked so hard for. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. Jay, Jordan, both of you were talking before the show about how far this program has come, what Scott Drew has been able to do there. I don't know if everyone in the country knows this story. Obviously, people that are close to college basketball know about it, but just give us, you know, give us the highlights of really what this championship means to that school and that program. Well, I'll jump in real quick. Jordan said it the other day on our show, and I give him a lot of credit because I, I, I had known about it, but you know, throughout the course of time, we just forget. He's like, this is the greatest rebuild 
maybe in the history mm -hmm. of sports. And it forced me. I was like, man, that's right. Like I for a good call by JC because I forgot back in two, June 2003, guys, June 12th, there was a murder on Baylor's basketball team. Wow. Patrick Dennehy <sighs> died. He got shot. He was shot by his teammate, Oof. Carlton Dotson, which wow. led to a basketball scandal at Baylor. Now, their head coach around that time was a guy named Dave Bliss. Uh, Dotson pleaded guilty to murder, was sentenced to 35 years uh, prison term. And then they started investigating the, the team for drug use, uh, for improper payment. And sanctions pretty much crippled this team uh, until they had their first winning season in 2008. Right? So Scott Drew comes on board. And, and, and JC, I know you have context to this, but to, to be able to bounce back from something like that to get this team to where they are in 2021 speaks volumes about how Scott Drew has revamped this program and deserves so much praise. Yeah, Jay, and you laid it out beautifully. I mean, that that's beautifully how ugly it really was. I mean, you, you think about a circumstance like that at a university and you think about, oh, that program has got to be extinct. And it was near that at Baylor. I mean, that was what was discussed. Dave Bliss, who was the head coach, not worthy of that title in one iota uh, in terms of the kind of guy he is and the kind of coach he was there. This guy tried to cover up what happened there. A loss of life under under his tutelage, under his watch, and this man, all he cares about is protecting his job, Dave Bliss, who was then the coach at that time. They got that clown out of there, and then they brought in the right guy for the job, a guy who was committed uh, to the program. It wasn't a great opportunity, but it was an opportunity. And Scott Drew saw that if he was given some runway, he could make this thing work, and that's exactly what he did. That first year, he held open tryouts on campus wow. for walk-ons to try and field a team. Forget mm. talent. Forget winning games. Let's just keep a team out there, much like we looked at college basketball this year. Like, we know there'll be attrition, but we need to play these games to save the sport. And that's what Baylor's mentality was after that awful scandal and tragedy, one of the worst in college sports. And they said, let's just get a team out there. Let's play the games. We'll lose by 20, 30, 40 every night. That's what happened. But then they started to build. And if you look at what they've done this last decade, they have been a team perennially winning 23, 24, 25 games. Heck, last year, if there's no COVID, Jay, this team probably wins maybe the national championship yep. last year. They were that kind of good. So we talk about teams robbed of an opportunity. Uh, Scott Drew has engineered the best rebuild in the of sport to come back from extinction, what they were near back then in 2003, to becoming a constant team that is competing for championships in their conference and now getting over the hump with a national championship. The model in front of them is nothing but success, and the future looks very bright, and it's because of that man, Scott Drew. Well, when you talk about their future, so now they're at the mountaintop, so now what next? Like, how do they retain Scott Drew, not let the uh, parasites come after him, throw money at him? What does this mean for his future? And also, <laughs> what, is, what does it mean for Baylor, – Yeah, what, not, but, but not what lacking I'm saying, of money at yeah, Baylor. Right, right, right. Money. But what I'm saying is what does it mean for the program as well? I mean, as far as recruiting, uh, we, we talk about Gonzaga. Everybody's running out to Gonzaga and how much resources they have. I mean, at this point, where does this put the program? I think for, for Baylor, first of all, let me start by this. That, that story that both Jay and JC just told here, it, to me, is just one of those where you, you remember hearing about it, and then you go, oh, my God, that's right, that happened. Yeah. And my next thing is the fact that he took that job and he stayed there as long as he has, and Bart asked that question, you know, <laughs> does he jump from here? Of course he doesn't because that's now, that, that job now, what does it mean to him? He yeah. built that thing all the way from scratch, literally from scratch. 
You don't often see that. It is it is pretty incredible, pretty remarkable what he's done. Also, what Mark Few has done with Gonzaga. Let, let's not forget, of course, that they oh, still have themselves oh. a program that for the last 20-plus years yeah. they have been a dominant <laughs> team. It's just getting to that championship and winning it, getting to the mountaintop, as Bart put it, that has been, for, for Mark Few, the one elusive uh, goal that he just has still not been able to attain. So he falls short again. Jay now coming up has his top five college basketball coaches to never win an NCAA championship. Do you think Few's on that list? Of course he is. That's coming up next. Keyshawn, Jay Will Zubin, ESPN Radio and ESPN app. The Madness. And the Baylor Bears claim the school's first men's basketball championship. The Westwood One NCAA Radio Network. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. KJZ, Alan Hahn, Bart Scott, Jay Will, Jordan Cornette as well. And let's do this right now because we discussed it. Jay Will's round ball rankings, and we're going to go with the best coaches to never win an NCAA championship. Is Mark Few on the list, Jay? He's on the Let's list, begin. Alan. This, this, this is tough. This was a tough one for me last night, going through it late night after watching Mark Few and Gonzaga not being able to get it done. Let's start with number five. Number five. Here we go. He's won 806 games, okay? He's a coach, college basketball, and total 806 victories in his career, spending 37 seasons, became the first coach to take four schools to the NCAA tournament. Arkansas, UK, he had a crazy academic scandal there. Returned to his alma mater in Oklahoma State. 13 NCAA tournament appearances. Trips to the Final Four in 2004 where they lost to Georgia Tech. I'm talking about Eddie Sutton. Uh, he, he's had a lot of great players play for him. He would, be, he would be number five on my list to start this whole thing off. Eddie Sutton at number five. Number four. This is crazy. This one, he's won 592 games. Back-to-back Final Fours in the 60s. A little old-school nostalgia for you guys. Give you a history lesson. And then in his team in the early 80s, he had Hakeem Olajuwon. He had Clyde Drexler. Back-to-back national championship games. I mean, his name is Guy Lewis, okay? And if you guys don't know about Guy Lewis, you should know about Guy Lewis. Was in college basketball forever. 
And the most infamous thing, they lost to both NC State and Georgetown. But we had this on our other show yesterday, guys, about one of the greatest finishes in March Madness history. And that's with Jimmy V when they were able to beat this team with the Lorenzo Charles dunk at the end. Wittenberg missing the shot. That was five slamma jamma, guys. Man. That, that, I, I can't believe back-to-back national championship appearances that they did not win one. That, that broke me. That broke me going through the list. Let's go to number, number three. three. That was a pass. Wittenberg says pa- it was a pass. <laughs> That's right. Pass. That, that's right, that JC. It was. Let's go. We had, we had him on our show the other day, guys. Uh, one of the best coaches in the game. I call him Coach Huggy Bear. I love the personality. And for any of his yes. players that have been around him, they can attest to this. There is nobody that can light a fire in you the way Coach Huggy Bear can. Bob Huggins, okay. a 900-plus wins, was at Cincinnati forever, put Mick Cronin on the game. Mick Cronin, now the head coach of UCLA, which is why UCLA made it to the Final Four. They had a lot of that Cincinnati swag defensively. Kenya Martin, guys like that, rave about him. Uh, then went to Kansas State, created a dynasty there to a degree, and now at West Virginia. Two Final Four appearances, just hasn't been able to get over that hump, but still a legendary coach in the top three, in my opinion, uh, because of the stature he brings to the game. Let's go Number two. two. I love this man. I got a chance to meet him. Uh, rest in peace. Same with Eddie Sutton, uh, by the way. A guy, same with that. Uh, but, you know, you think about John Chaney, 1982 to 2006, a basketball Hall of Famer, one of the best coaches of his generation, won the A-10 regular season title eight times, won six conference tournament titles, 741 wins, and 312 losses as a head coach. Uh, the amount of kids he's helped from inner cities, the legacy he's left on the game of college basketball, crazy for this last one, has never been to a Final Four. John Chaney, never been to the Final Four. He's at number two. Let's go number one. Number one. I mean, two losses in a national championship game in the past four men's NCAA tournaments. And when you think about it, the winning percentages for Mark Few is stupid. I mean, 83.4%. No coach in men's history has won at a higher clip. 91.3%. He's won 91.3% of his games the last four years, which is the highest winning percentage of any coach in the sport of basketball, of any coach in the sport of basketball. Uh, Mark Few is a legendary coach. It, it, it propels a bigger conversation because of the conference that he plays in. And I'm not going to be one of these guys to poo-poo the numbers, right? Uh, you have to win the games that are in front of you. I understand that. Uh, but this narrative that has followed Mark Few is one that's really bothered me, Jordan. It's really bothered me. And I, I, I thought that Baylor had an advantage last night. I didn't know it was going to be a 16-point advantage to close it out. I didn't know they were going to dominate the game the way they did. <laughs> But it once again enhances the narrative that has followed Mark Few, where it's like, okay, you guys play good competition earlier in the year, then you disappear to the WCC, and you don't become battle-tested. Teams like Baylor, they're used to playing the Kansases, the West Virginias, the the top-of-the-top teams all day long, back-to-back-to-back. I don't care what anybody says. When you're programmed to compete at that level all the time, you don't turn that switch on and off. And once again, that narrative is going to follow Mark Few and this Gonzaga team for as long until Mark Few was able to do it. I mean, it's the same thing that followed Jay Wright when he was at Villanova before they started winning chips at a high rate, right? Like, can you do it? 
And unfortunately, this is where we are in college basketball. It will follow Mark Few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. All right, that's Jay's Round Ball Rankings brought to you by yeah, Dell. Jay, For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Jordan, I'll bring you in in a second. It just uh, going through the list again, just Eddie Sutton, Guy Lewis, Bob Huggins, John Chaney, and then Mark Few at number one. And Jordan, I'm calling recency bias on this list. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'll get to the list, but I quickly want to add, Jay, because I, I thought it was a great list. There's some omissions, but it's only five, so you can't. You're going to have some questions there. It's a respectable list, no doubt. But Jay makes a great point about Mark Few and how he'll be regarded after this, and that's why I felt like coming into that game, pressure wasn't on the team. It wasn't on Gonzaga to to chase perfection. I really felt that pressure was on the legacy of Mark Few more so than becoming the first team since Indiana in 1976 because this is going to stay with him. Great coach, but great coach, but where's the national championship? He should sleep very well at night. He should go out there fishing the Pacific Northwest and not worry about Mm -hmm. this because he's achieved at a high level. But that will be the one caveat that's always mentioned, and you hate to see it because if not this year, then when? You've got the presumptive number one pick, in Jalen Suggs, you've got Joel Ayayi, who's a first-round guy, Corey Kispert, who's a lottery guy, and yet still you got drug in the national championship game. What name I have for you, Jay, and, and you guys are probably going to dog me for throwing this one out there, being a Notre Dame guy, but he's the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history. He's won 550 games nearly. What about Mike Bray? Is he wow. worthy of being put on that list? Is he maybe on the outside looking in, but he's another guy who's just started to recently get that success in the tournament, going to those two elite eights. They've fallen off these last few years, and all of a sudden people are calling for his head, but he's had an illustrious career there in South Bend as well. Yeah, I would say my, I would have Mike Bray on the outside looking in that top five. He's just, you know, when you start going through the names, I mean, obviously yeah. Eddie Sutton speaks for itself. Guy mm-hmm. Lewis, you go back and you see who was on some of those teams, and the fact they went back-to-back chips. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's a And you can call me recency bias, Alan, for the Mark Few. I just... You know, to go back to, to what J.C. just said, it's Jalen Suggs is going to be the first pick in the draft or the second pick in the draft with Kay Cunningham. Corey Kispert was a guy you see on a lot of draft boards. He was going top 10, top 15, lottery guy. Ayahi, they, they have guys who are pros. Uh, to, go under, to have the narrative go from, is this one of the greatest teams to ever play the sport of college basketball? To then all of a sudden say, they got blown out mm-hmm. in the national championship game. You tell me how that pans for you moving forward. And I agree with Jordan. Mark Few is a legendary coach. He will be fine. Continue to push forward until he gets one. Unfortunately, that's the way the media works. And, and that's how we like to describe it. You said, Alan, before the tournament even started. I said, hey, this has been a narrative as far as Gonzaga the whole time. And you're like, well, this year is different, right? Is it different for you now, Alan? Is it different? I don't, that's a great question. I, I got to be honest with you. When when I looked at your list, though, what, why I said recency bias. Now, again, when it comes to this team, they played in a bubble. That's the part that's different. They didn't have to go back to campus. That part's different. There was no distractions. That part's different. But you heard Mark Few talk about how we needed more time. Like, he wished he had more time to prepare for Baylor. Bart, Bart felt like that was an excuse. Or was it that he just knew what they were going up against? I and I did. also feel like, and nobody said this, that I think Mick Cronin, again, watching that game should feel some pride. Because you guys took a little something out of that team. And oh, they yeah. never were able to recover. Right. They and they flat. faced another team that came after them, you know, I, I hate, like I hate salivating. Not re- I hate this not recover thing, Come guys. Like, Come on now. Jordan, look, you've you got to understand. Jordan, I feel like I, that I hear, is a big I, problem. I hear you. I, I, we are down 22 points to Maryland. 
We were down 22 points to Maryland. We came back and won that game. We then played against Agent Zero in the national championship. Like, we recovered. Like, you're, you're talking about 18, 19, 20, 21 okay. young adults. Yeah. Like, we played AU games 10 games in one damn day. Like, I don't want this excuse to be like, well, they just couldn't recover. Oh, I'm like, not talking about, I'm not talking about being fight. fatigued, yeah. though, Jay. That's what, that's I'm what not, Final Four is not my point. My point is not being fatigued. I think it's mentally. It's like they've never been challenged like that before. UCLA took them to the brink. But, then they escape it. So let me ask you this thing, because you guys talked about this before the show, and I find this to be interesting as well. What if it, and you did kind of bring it up when you mentioned the West Coast Conference. What if it was something like that, that Baylor, that UCLA, they're in power, like they're in the big conferences, the Power Fives, of where yeah. where they are facing tough competition after one after another. So they're ready for that fight. And maybe is it that Gonzaga has outgrown the West Coast Conference, and maybe should I, I don't know consider moving out? I mean, the West Coast Conference would would hate to lose them, but is it is the conference something that is a bit of an issue for them because of the lack of big time powerful programs and a schedule where they've got to take the hits? throughout a season just to get through their conference. Like, I'll ask it this, and I'm sorry this is long-winded. Jordan and Jay, if let's say <laughs> let's say Gonzaga was in a Power 5. You can name any of them. You can say Pac-12, whatever you want. If they were in one of those conferences, would they have won their conference tournament? Would they have been the best team in the conference? I, let, me, let me take this real ahead, quick, Jordan, Jay, because I just want to yeah, say this. It's what, it's, what I felt, it's what I felt the whole time. If, if Gonzaga played in a Big 12 – Baylor is still the better team in a Big 12, and Baylor is your Big 12 champion. If Gonzaga plays in that Big 12, which had eight teams that for part of the season you felt like Texas could win it, Texas Tech could win it, Kansas could win it, Oklahoma State could win it, Oklahoma could win it, there's no way that Gonzaga goes undefeated and we're talking about them like 1976 Indiana. Mm -hmm. Of course they're a product of that West Coast Conference. That's without question. Yeah, they challenged themselves in the non-conference early on. They took advantage of beating some really good teams. They were the better team. They were one of the top teams in the country this year, but they weren't even the best team. And if they played the Big 12, they wouldn't have been the best team. And I'll take it one step further, Alan, to hold you underwater from that take a second ago. Did it take something out of Gonzaga, that UCLA game? Probably. But then they're not one of the historically great teams if they lack the intestinal fortitude or the mental toughness to gather back, recalibrate, and go win a chip two days later. And that's why we should have been talking about them in any way that we were for as long as we were. I think everybody needs to look in the mirror and say, we are prisoners of the moment. Jay, the floor is yours. I just get really hot about that. Nope, Jordan, we we don't need to look in the mirror. We've been calling it for what it is on this show from the day. Alan, we had this conversation about it. Yeah, yeah. I I said, guys, look, this conversation is going to start. People are going to start comparing them to the greatest teams of all time. And are they the greatest team? I'm like, let's just pump the brakes on that for one damn second because the quality of competition. And, and Jordan, Mm -hmm. I would say this. I agree with you on that point. They definitely wouldn't have gone undefeated. But there is something about when you compete against top-tier talent every day, it raises the level of the intensity of your game. Like, all of a sudden, that that bar – that you have when you're playing a WCC, that you're still winning games by 20-plus points, and we have a dogfight against Santa Clara, and be like, well, they're still being tested. No, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not, you're not playing against the teams that you're losing. Mm-hmm. And when you lose sometimes, you know what that does? That allows guys like Mark for you to get your damn attention. Because when you're reading all the time, it's hard. When you're winning all the time, it's hard to keep that fire for a short degree. What, what is, you I'm, need I'm, to be yeah, challenged. I've heard this phrase, right? Like Chris Candy's used this, and I'm sure this is something you hear mm-hmm. around the NFL. It's hard, it's hard to eat when you're full. 
And that sometimes does happen when you dominate your conference. Mm-hmm. So the last 24 years, Gonzaga's been in the conference final in WCC every year. Yeah. Every year for 24 years. You know how many wow. times they've won it? 18. Wow. I mean, that's insane. I mean, think so about you it. You just lost St. Mary's a couple of times. St. Mary's, right? Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah, like, a couple of those. Couple of those they, they've like, and they didn't win them all, but they, they've been there well, for every single one. Oh, my God. We say, we say this all the time in football. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes tell- when you win, you lose, and sometimes when you lose, you win, because when you lose, it forces you to analyze everything that contributed to the, to, the, yeah. to the loss. And sometimes when you win, things that can make you lose get swept underneath the rug. I wonder at what point are we going to break down and start, you know, asking questions about Mark Few. Should he have taken, you know, time out early on when they jumped on him? He let him play through it. When should he have went to the adjustment to go into the zone earlier? I mean, I think they rallied before the half, but they, they could have been down a lot earlier. Suggs foul that. trouble was a big difference. Well, by the way, guys, they, they went into the half yep. for as bad as they played. Yeah. Let's be frank about it. They went into the half only down 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, it, it, like that's like you're you're within that, that stretch where it's like, okay. You felt like there was momentum going back yeah. towards the side of, of Gonzaga. And they cut it to nine but, but, at but one that, point. Then it was 20 yeah, in a blink. But yeah, but and, and before Jared Butler though. came out and knocked down two but threes yeah. in the opening minute of the first ha- second half. And mm-hmm. it was like, bop, 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 all of a sudden game's yeah. back to being over. And that's what I'm saying. That's what, that's what drains you, though, right? Because you, you expend so much energy trying to get back in it. And you're down 10, and you come out, and you get blitzed in the, in, the, in the third quarter. And listen, they were having body blows. They were getting beat up on the boards. Offensive glass, getting extra possessions for Baylor. And they were under pressure. I felt like it was like five Patrick Beverly's out there, man. And they were just wearing them down. And it wasn't just the, fit, the, the, the physical <laughs> fatigue. It was the mental fatigue yeah. of the fact that I got to deal with this dude and I wasn't getting any breaks on the offensive side or the defensive side. They had to play both sides, and they weren't ready for that. It looked like Baylor was a fresher team. It looked like they were the better conditioned team. It looked like they were the stronger team. So when, when you have all those elements working against you, and then something hit, finally hits you back, and you, 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 you try and lean on the fact that we've always been able to come back, that's what happens. You, you, you get into these bad habits when you coast through seasons because you're like, oh, we always come back. Somebody will get hot. Timmy will do, make something happen. And Timmy wasn't, wasn't getting it because he was having a battle on the board yeah. running to that dude with that extra – you know, Vido got that extra chest plate. You know what I'm saying? It was just it – was, yeah, again, it, it's, it really was remarkable to me, watch it. And, and, but we got to move on, on on this topic, though. As Again, we'll get back into the college basketball conversation, what we saw last night. But – you know, there is other. There was other big news yesterday in the world of sports, and yeah, yeah, Bart. And this, this oh, the ground lost another close, big one. This is no, nah, this is close to home for you. It's oh, okay. it, by the way, it's Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, Alan Hahn, Bart Scott. Try to keep up, everybody. Jordan Cornette and J. Will's here. You have that at least. ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive I Insurance. Turn, this is all guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Man. Did we all? Did, did, well, nobody did we all moisturize? Did we all like Tyro Biggs up we in all? his feet? <laughs> my hey, mama I tried to hold up the lip gloss <laughs> for you. I tried <laughs> to hold up the aqua for you on TV a all couple right. of times. I was like Tyro Biggs. Hey, everybody. Sam Darnold is now a Panther. <laughs> what? I know it's weird, isn't it? Is there now a quarterback controversy in Carolina? We asked that question. Mm-hmm. So much anxiety yesterday. Zach Wilson, here, here he comes, Alan. Here he comes. I mean, that part we understand now to be a given, right? So the yes. Jets trade. This this happened around 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon where the Jets uh, – Adam Schefter reported that the Jets traded Sam Darnold to the Panthers. Uh, Carolina sent a 2021 sixth-round pick. What? But it gets better. Also, a second and a fourth-round pick in 2022, all for Sam Darnold. So now uh, the plan for the Panthers is uh, to discuss now what they're going to do with Darnold's 2022 fifth-year option, which is coming up. 
They're going to discuss that as well. Uh, ESPN's David Newton said. They'll pick it up. Now the Jets are certainly expected to pick a replacement for Sam Darnold with the number two pick, and <laughs> all signs are that it will be Zach Wilson. Bart, I, I will start with you. Does this trade surprise you? Because you, along with a lot of other people, were among the the opinion that they should stick with Sam and trade that pick. They are not doing that. I mean, I thought that they should have kicked the can down the road. I said it the whole time. This is Joe Douglas saying, you know what? I'm going to reset everything. I'm going to reset the time clock. And when I think this team is going to be ready to win, that means that we're, we're hoping maybe to be 7-9, and nine, be respectable this year, and then try and make the big push next year. But it also signals that Miami is the, is the front runner, you know, for Deshaun Watson. They're the front runner for um, Russell Wilson because they've done everything that they're supposed to do to have the ammunition to be able to present three you know, first-round draft picks next year if Tua Tungvaluwa doesn't work out. The problem was that just for a year early in the process where you think about Miami, they don't have to make that decision about Tua until after this right, year. Right. So, you know, when you think about what they were doing, this is Joe Douglas saying, you know what, I'm going to reset the clock and I'm going to be able to spin – and I can make some mistakes because I'm going to have more opportunities to go out and get, you know, impactful um, impact players. So, you know, that's the decision that they made. You know, I don't agree with it, but I can respect it. And I understand now how they're going to move forward is trying to build this thing slowly. But what I, what I get concerned with, with pick number 23, I'm concerned with now you won't get an impact player that can help contribute in a big way this year. Because you don't expect Zach Wilson to come in and light the world on fire. Best mm-hmm. case scenario, you expect him to be Justin Herbert. And, you know, we don't know if he's built like that, if he can be Justin Herbert the first right. year. They don't even have a damn uh, veteran quarterback on the roster. Well, they the hell's the, right. the hell's you got to figure that out, too, Jay. And, and in Carolina, you still have Teddy Bridgewater there, so it doesn't exactly mean that Sam Darnold has Chicago, the job. QB1. Well, that's what, here, here's my three things real quick. That was a legacy-defining risk. For Joe Douglas, yes. we'll talk about that next hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Darnold saying, thank you, dear Lord, baby Jesus. Thank you. Now I have, actually, I have an ounce, offensive line. I have weapons like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, CMC. <laughs> Great. Actually, I went from Adam Gase to Joe Brady. Great. And uh, Chicago, what are we doing? Oh, Teddy Bridgewater. What are we, what are we doing, Chi-Town? What's, what's, we took Andy Dolan, 6-16? Six and 16? Like that, That's who we got over the last two seasons? 10 million. When he could have been patient and get Sam Darnold? But that's why we, we leave p- people in positions of power that think about yesterday and now and not long term that's how you get stuck with Andy Dolan Chicago that's how you get stuck with Andy Dolan go ahead Jordan I'm angry yeah to to me I think it's very clear that that Douglas and company had to be really high on Zach Wilson that's the defining uh kind of check mark in this Mm -hmm. decision it's not necessarily about Sam Darnold it's not necessarily about the the winning the lottery I mean you have a lottery ticket there because you can move that pick and do a lot so it goes back to me that the pro day, the body of work from Zach Wilson said, to hell with the rest of that. This is the risk because this guy can change the organization. Now, if they're right, good. But to me, I look at it and say, wow, the Jets, man, you had a winning lottery ticket, a chance to move that pick and change in a bunch of different areas. Sam Darnold has a new regime in there to be the guy and be given finally a real chance and now he's robbed of that. Good for him to be able to go off to Carolina. I hope he shines. Well, off to Carolina he goes, and now in Chicago they wonder, did they make a terrible mistake? Jordan, we'll let you go. Had a great time with you this morning. Thanks so much for the insight. We'll catch up soon. Babyface assassin. All right, Jason. Yeah, fellas, thanks for having me. All right, you got it. All right, the Panthers got Darnold. The Bears got Dalton. Yay. How did Chicago mess this up so bad? That's next.